0: Good morning to each of you. Greetings in the name of Jesus, the one that we gather to worship and trust that your week was a good week and that God was real to you and uh, that you have found yourself in his will. I um, don't want to just wear out this subject of what we did yesterday, but, you know, I think it does a church good to get together and work and do things outside of church. Church pulls you together. So thank you each one for those involved in that. Turn to Acts chapter 27. Good to have Judy here with us this morning. God bless you for coming and along with each and every one of you here this morning. So about eight months ago this, or uh, eight years ago this month, there was a cargo ship that left out of Jacksonville headed for Puerto Rico. It left in the evening and it headed south. And there was a crew of about 33 people, and they had a load of new cars and a load of containers. About halfway to Puerto Rico, we know that they run into Hurricane Joaquin, if some of you remember the story. <clears throat> the storm took them down, and all the lo- that ship. It, it, there's, a, there's a write-up on the individual, who they was who their husband or who their wife was, maybe their children or or parents, a little about them. And you know, there's something that that stirs within you you as you look at these pictures, smiling faces of people that went down in a terrible storm and are three miles deep in the ocean. Or I'm not sure where they're at, but that's where the boat's at. So there was a lot of investigations that went into this this accident or this tragedy. You know, in 2015 when it happened, there's a lot of science, a lot of nautical, I think that's, maybe that's not, maybe that's airplanes, whatever boats use. I don't know where Ethan's at, but anyways, um, a lot of technology that it seemed like they could have had to know. They didn't think the wind was blowing but about 50 miles an hour, and it was blowing about 150 uh, depending on what article you read. And there was a variety of things that went wrong. There was a variety of mistakes. But you know, the thing that stood out to me and what, what I'm, has kind of brought this about this morning, let me turn that down back there, um, and, and there was a critical thing, there was a critical thing that happened that put this boat down. And it's said that one of the key reasons it went down was a loss of propulsion, which is kind of a big word. Maybe you don't understand it, children. But they lost their engine. The oil somehow was, level wasn't high enough and all the rocking around it, vapor locked. They lost their forward motion. They had no power. And it says without propulsion, El Faro, which was the name of the boat, could not maneuver and was at the mercy of the storm. The title of the message this morning is Shipwreck Without Propulsion. We're going to go to a story that many of us have read many, many times in Acts chapter 27. We're going to look at the life of Paul and how he went out, and he wasn't, I don't know where he was headed exactly, we'll read where he was headed, but uh, it wasn't on a trip. He wasn't on a cruise ship, from what I understand there was a, we'll read it. But as we go through here, let's do some personal studies of our life, of our journey, and of who we are and where we're headed. Paul had a tremendous testimony all through this story. Paul had a relationship with God, and Paul was obedient. Well, a lot of scripture to read today, so bear with me. Acts 27, verse 1, And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul, remember he was a prisoner, and certain other prisoners, and unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. And entering into a ship of Adramedium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalon- Thessalonica, being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends to refresh themselves. And when we had launched from thence, we sailed unto Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, and we came to Myra, a city of Lycia, and there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, and he put us therein. And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Snidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed unto Crete, under Crete, over against Salome, Salmoni. And hardly passing it came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia. Now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them. Time of the year wasn't working out. Paul said, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lady and the ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part of they advised advise to depart thence also if by any means they might attain to, Ph- to Phenis, and there to winter, which is in the haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, there rose against it a temp- tempestuous wind called a Ere- Ere- And when the ship was caught, and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Klaudah, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strake sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest. The next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve. Take special note of Paul's testimony in this time of his life. Whose I am and whom I serve. Saying, fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. This was a message Paul shared with this group of people. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. But when the fourteenth night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country and sounded and found it was twenty fathoms. When they had gone a little farther, they sounded again and found it fifteen fathoms. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea, the little or big lifeboat, whatever it was, under color as they they would have cast anchors out of the four ships, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, You cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat, and were all in the ship two hundred three threescore and sixteen souls. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast the, out the wheat into the sea. And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore, into the which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust in the ship. When they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea, and loosed the rudder bands, and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind, and made toward the shore." And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldier's counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion willing to save Paul kept them for their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast cast themselves first into the sea and get to land, and the rest, some on boards, some on broken pieces of the ship, And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. So here we have Paul heading out on this voyage as a prisoner. And he knows what's going to happen. He's told them what's going to happen. And I don't know that Paul knew there was going to be a hurricane or a storm or whatever it was. I don't know that Paul knew how high the waves were going to get. How much wind they was going to have. But he said, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. You know, if we go back to the story that we started out with, no one knew, at least that I can find, that this was even a possibility of happening. As a matter of fact, while they were fighting that storm, I don't remember the time but there was hours if I remember correctly before the captain of El Faro called everybody to action. You know, we've got a problem. We've got to get this running and that running and do this and that. It was it was it was some time. So just kind of going through these these 40 some verses we read. Not long after in verse 14 it says There arose a tempestuous wind called Ereclidon, and when the ship was caught and could not bear up the wind, it says, we let her drive. We see a ship that was sailing. It didn't have any diesel engines on it. It was sailing, but it lost its propulsion. It says, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Claude. It says we had much work to come by the boat. I'm assuming at some point they started fighting that sail again or fighting the rudder or whatever they had to control it. <clears throat> you know, they didn't have the opportunity to throw those containers off the ship that they were on out here when they was headed to Puerto Rico. They didn't have the manpower, the necessary things to throw the cargo off. This particular story, they could get rid of it. But we see a succession of happenings here. Day one, day two, day three, and it says the third day, they was even in worse shape. It wasn't getting better. It says in verse 20, go back to verse 20. This one kind of strikes fear in your heart. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay a hold us, they were in a storm with no way out. And you know, I struggle sometimes to stand up here and preach Sunday after Sunday about the storms of life because we have an anchor and we have a God that's so much bigger than storms. And I guess my burden this morning is is that we never lose our forward motion. We never lose our engine. We never lose what keeps us going, what's in front of us, what's the purpose Paul, it says, after a long time of fasting, if I understand what the word abstinence here means, after a long time, Paul was in contact with God. Paul was a man, Paul had fears, and Paul had told them this was going to happen. But he had spent some time, and I believe it was a long time. We have a space of verse 21. I'm not sure how many days, that was three days, at least three days into it, Paul had been spending a lot of time in prayer and fasting. And he delivered this message that God had sent him an angel and told him that everybody would be saved, but the ship would be lost. He had details. Apparently in that that communication with God, God had told him no one, no one can leave, no one must go. Because he said, we read here it says that except these abide in the ship, ye cannot be saved. There was criteria, there was things that had to happen. In verse 36, we have this amazing testimony of Paul standing up and say, or after Paul had stood up and told everyone to cheer up a little bit, let's get something to eat, you guys haven't ate for 14 days, Paul was still persuaded that they were going to make it. There was going to be all 200 and however many on there was going to make it. No lives were going to be lost. It says that then were they all of good cheer and they also took some meat and were all in the ship 203 score and 16 souls. Paul had a compelling testimony in the storm he was in. You know... As we go back to the story of that cargo ship as it was sailing towards Puerto Rico you know if there had been a group of out of that 33 people if there would have been let's just say 10 people that would have went up to the captain and would have had a compelling argument about what's going on if they would have told him look. We have prayed about this. God has spoken to us. This Joaquin is a hurricane. It's not a little tropical storm. We need to divert. We need to go the other way. We need to go back to Jacksonville or whatever. Could the story have ended differently? Questions I don't have. When those men tried to, under under the radar, if you want to call it, Get that lifeboat down and get out of there. Again, Paul had a compelling and a conviction that don't do that, or we're gonna die. He got through to them. It says when morning came, they raised the sail and headed for the shore. They swam or floated to shore, and all two hundred and seventy-six people were saved. They that escaped all safe. To the land. They rode on boards if they didn't know how to swim. What a picture. I don't know if the sea was calm. I don't know if it was rough. But they made it. What needed to happen for this story to end this way? El Faro is 15,000 feet deep in the ocean, all lives were lost. It lost its forward motion. It lost its momentum. It lost its propulsion. I would like to go back to Acts chapter 21. And I would like to pick up some lessons in the next few minutes here of Paul. And what I believe carried him through this season of life. Acts 21 In verse 10. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard these things, both we and they at that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Verse 13, Paul said, What mean ye to weep and to break my heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we cease saying, the will of the Lord be done. Make this personal to you this morning as you think about the testimony of Paul as he was told to him what was going to happen. Jason mentioned about a narcissist in the opening, and that was the first time I'd ever heard a definition of that. I didn't know what one was, I guess. I'd seen the word, didn't know what they were. Paul was ready for no other reason than the Lord Jesus. And as you think about your life personally, I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of Jesus, for the name of the Lord Jesus. And they finally come to the place where they said the will of the Lord be done. People here this morning, friends, loved ones, we have a call. To faithful service, faithful living, faithful teaching, faithful preaching. Are we committed? Can we say as Paul, I am ready, ready to die. Let's go down to verse number 30. It says, and all the city was moved. And I don't know what that would look like either. And all the city was moved and the people ran together and they took Paul and threw him and drew him out of the temple And forthwith the doors were shut, and as they were about to kill him, tidings came unto the chief captain of the the band that all Jerusalem was in an uproar, who immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down unto them. And when they saw the chief captain and soldiers, they left beating of Paul. Then the chief captain came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains and demanded who he was and what he had done. And some cried one thing, some another among the multitude. And when he could not know the certainty for the tumult, he commanded him to be carried into the castle. And when he came upon the stairs, so it was that he was born of the soldiers for the violence of the people. For the multitude of the people followed after crying, Away with him. These people were going to kill him. It says that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. And it was so bad that the soldiers had to pick him up and carry him to keep him from being hurt by the people. And you know, yesterday we got to see the military and the law enforcement in action. They was there to protect. The governor showed up at the little place we was working at, flew in in a helicopter that was close enough we could see the dust coming up from it, drove right by the church that we was working. There was... Highway patrol, there was military presence, there was local law officials, there was people that I don't know what they were that were following him around. But as you think about Paul, the soldiers happened to pick him up and carry him to keep him from being ripped to pieces. It says, and when there rose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul... Should be been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and take him by force from among them and bring him into the castle. this was what happened to Paul before he got on this ship as a prisoner <clears throat> chapter 23 of verse 12 and 13. we have some people that made a commitment and when there were let's see here And when it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, saying that they were neither going to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. And there were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. Forty men said, I'm not going to eat or drink until Paul is dead. We know the story. He was moved by night and was kept in prison for about two years before this ship the ship ride, the shipwreck. Paul knew what was going to happen through the sequence of these events. He was told by people, he was told by God. No, he didn't know the depth of the sea. No, he didn't know the strength of the wind. He didn't know how long the storm was going to last. But what he went through before quite possibly prepared him better for what he was going to face. And I don't know what each and every one of you are facing this morning, or are all going to face today or tomorrow. But could it be what we need to face the shipwreck? He believed the promise of God when God said, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God and that it shall be even as it was told me. Can you and I lay hold of that faith in whatever you find yourself in this morning? Is our relationship with Christ so close that there's communication in the storms? Do we understand that we are preparing for what may come? My anchor, what is your anchor? People talk about the condition of the world. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of violence. We know it's bad, and Scripture said it's going to get worse. Paul said, in the midst of all this, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. What has God told you that's going to happen? What has God told me that's going to happen? What does the Bible say? 2 Timothy 3. Second Timothy 3 in verse number 1, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Men shall be boasters. Men shall be covetous, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, and unholy. Now that list of things there... We tend to pick out the worst. We tend to pick out the bad. But it says perilous times are going to come and then this is what's going to happen. Men are going to be lovers of them own selves. Men are going to be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. Verse 3, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Dear people, this morning we have it so good. And Justin mentioned this this morning in, in devotions. You know, it's easy to get up on a plane and have a form of godliness. Paul had more than just a form. Paul had it real. Paul had it deep. Paul was a man of God. Verses 12 and 13 of Second Timothy 3. Let's just turn to that. We keep reading on here. 2 Timothy three twelve and 13 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. As we think about a ship without propulsion, it is a person without a foundation, without an anchor, without a relationship. Matthew chapter 24, we've got to keep going here. Matthew 24 and verse 4. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nations and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrow. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. This is Bible. This is what's going to happen. This is what is happening. What is our message to the people today? Do we have the testimony flowing out of our hearts and lives that Paul had? Can we stand up on a ship that is just about to go down? Out of control! The waves are crashing, the wind is blowing. It might even be at night. And there's 276 some people on there and they're scared out of their mind. They haven't eaten in 14 days. Are we a person that can stand up and say, Sirs, it's going to be okay. With a smile on their face. With conviction that everything is going to be okay. And the people will listen. Can we have a conversation with our neighbor or with our young people? Or with each other as, as moms and dads, as In in whatever life, whatever situation you're in, can we have a compelling conversation with each other that allows us to have that peace that everything's going to be okay? I don't know how long it was, but it wasn't long after that. They were sitting around eating. And, it says, and of good cheer. The storm wasn't over, the boat was still rocking. What message do we have to stand up and share today? Matthew 5. Matthew 5 and verse number 10, it says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. And it says here to rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. This is what the word of God says. This is the message that we have to stand up and share. The storm is real. But Paul said, I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Second Timothy 2.11 says, It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall reign with him. But if we deny him, he also will deny us. James chapter 1 and verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, what's going to happen? Can someone here this morning tell me? He shall receive a crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. James 1 and verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into all kinds of what? Temptations. Temptation is real, people. It's real. It's hard. It's tough. I believe God. Matthew 16, verse 18. We've got to turn to this one. I know we're out of time, but I'm sorry. Matthew 16, verse 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Do you believe this this morning that there's going to be a faithful remnant of people? Jesus said, I will build my church in the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. There is a people, there are people that are going to survive the storms of life, that are not going to lose their forward motion, that are not going to lose their mission statement, their vision. <clears throat> Revelation 2 and verse 10 says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. And you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Turn with me now to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 and verse 18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 2 Corinthians four sixteen and 17. Two more verses. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Are we a people that can stand up in the night, can stand up in the storm, in a convicting and compelling and compassionate way, convey to everybody listening to us that everything's going to be okay. Remember here, dear people, without forward motion, we are at the mercy of the storm. And I'm here to tell you from experience that we can't sail alone. Shipwreck. Without propulsion. As I studied this, this story and as I considered my life, my vision, the things I do from day to day, the things that matter to me, would I have survived that night after 14 days in a ship that was going down? I don't know. But my message and my, my burden for you this morning is to, to be of good cheer.